Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And on the lastly, I just want to make this point. Um, I told you guys leading into that week, we were playing a really good football team. Probably one of the tougher openers to play, given the fact that they came off a full season. They looked, and, and, and this is my responsibility, they looked more game ready in game one than we did. And um, they didn't make any mistakes. And they looked really in sync. We looked like a team playing our first game. And they didn't look like a team playing their first game. That's not to say that we didn't do some good things. I think a lot of teams look like they look in the first game, but that 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 may be the advantage that they had. And they're a super talented team. That team would compete uh, week in and week out in just about any conference and certainly would beat many of the lower half power fives. We played a legitimate football team in game one. And you know what the good news is? I hate losing a game, but I believe we can get better from that game. That exposed some of the problems and some of the issues that I feel that we had that we need to get corrected. You always wish you won and try to find a way to correct them along the way, but sometimes they don't show up until an inopportune time. That happens a lot because you, no matter what happens, when you overwhelm a lesser team, you kind of find a way to justify things and feel like you're okay. And they usually show up later. We showed up right here. We're on them right now. And we're going to have a great week. And then we got to, of course, here we play. We're going to come in and play an SCC team. And again, we're playing this Vanderbilt team. Uh, I spent a lot of years in the SCC. They've got players. Okay. Now, they're a first-year program, kind of like what we are. We played, you know, four games, but we're kind of like a first-year program. You know, and, 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 you know, what you can see there is they're starting to trying to learn and adapt to their new system and what they're doing and, you know, and. Everybody wants to make a big deal about their first game. And I don't make a big deal about a lot of first games, you know, because I think there's a lot. It's like I was, I was, you know, Illinois beat Nebraska, talk of the town. Then they turn around and they lose to what is it? UTSA uh, this past weekend and went from the high of highs, beating what they consider to be an elite power five team with a new program. Wham. The next week here, it comes right back at you again. Okay, so I think in the first I said last week, in the first three weeks, there's a lot that goes on. You wish you could win them while you're growing and while you're adjusting and figuring out exactly who your identity is, et cetera, et cetera. That's ideal. But when you open with a really good team. These things happen. So um, we had a great meeting, team meeting yesterday, went over to film. We had a great practice yesterday. I think our kids have a tremendous mindset. One of the advantages that they have and we have, and the eye in the sky doesn't lie, you see exactly what happened. Everybody knows exactly what happened. Guys, 
I feel like I could have done a better job preparing our football team. Those are the facts. Okay. Because we made too many mistakes on that football field. And when you make too many mistakes, that's my job to make sure that doesn't happen. I did not see those mistakes through training camp, but I saw them on that game. And I'm not going to rationalize the reasons why that happened. I'm going to tell you, we have good players. They've been busting their tail out there and we're highly capable. And it's my job to get us to competitive excellence. We did not competitively, we were not a competitive excellence on Friday night. And I've got to make sure that our football team is this Saturday against Vanderbilt. And uh, all effort and all energy will be in that. What up, what up, what up? Hope everybody had an awesome Labor Day. We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm Justin Michael. I think everybody needed a couple of days to reset. I unfortunately, I, I had to go back and rewatch that South Dakota State game. It was not, I'm not going to lie, it was not a fun time, but it was necessary for the job. I was going to record another podcast yesterday, but I, I don't know, I just figured the wounds might still be a little too fresh. Everybody needs just a day off to, to kind of relax, put it in the past. The reality is the 2021 opener, it's never going to be looked back on fondly. It's always going to be remembered for frustration, for getting your teeth kicked in by an FCS opponent at, at home. But I mean, the truth is that that really is a very talented team. I know people are tired of hearing it. It's not the worst team that CSU is going to play this season. And we're going to kind of dive into everything. Um, what you heard from Steve Adazio, obviously, is just less than ideal. I mean, he he admitted that CSU was the less prepared team on Friday night. It certainly played out that, that way. But, I mean, that's not ever what you want to hear <laughs> as a fan of a team. I will say, I give him some credit for for taking all of the blame. I mean... Everything that went wrong in that matchup, Adazio took blame for. He didn't deflect to his players. He didn't deflect to his assistant coaches. You know, didn't name anybody specifically or throw anybody under the bus. That's fairly rare. I mean, a lot of coaches kind of take the easy way out and and just throw somebody under the bus when it when it didn't go well. You have to at least give him credit for owning up to everything. I know his critics are going to be like, "Yeah, well, it's his fault," but we all know how this works. I mean, a lot of coaches, it's it's very easy to pass the buck or deflect the blame. He didn't do that. You know, he also mentioned the fact that the the preparation and, and everything that needs to happen going into week two and proving all those mistakes, that also falls, you know, solely on him. And so I do I just I just wanted to mention that I respect that. You know, I think everybody is is fairly frustrated at the moment just with the lack of success. And obviously, I mean, when you hear all throughout training camp. They're working hard and, you know, this is going to be improved and we like what we see. And then they go out and lay an egg. You're, you're naturally just going to be like, well, has everything that you said over the last month been BS? That's a fair criticism, I think, especially after a losing performance like that. But now that we've had a couple of days to kind of remove ourselves from the situation, you just kind of have to look at what are the takeaways from this? Because, you know, you can't you can't let one game define a season. I mean, if you do, it's it's going to be a brutal one. I think that was always my my biggest problem. This is a side tangent, and then I'll get back on track. One of the things I always hated about the Rocky Mountain Showdown being the week one opener is there was just so much buildup that went into that matchup, so much excitement, so much anticipation for two, three weeks around town. Everybody's talking about it. CU, CSU, 
who's going to win, you know, local rivalries, bragging rights, all of that stuff. And it's fun. It's fun to get swept up in all of it. But the problem is when you lose that, it's so deflating. You know, that's such a gut punch right off the bat that it's hard to recover. And I think we saw, especially in the Bobo era, but I mean, I think you can really go back and look at a bunch of instances over the years where they they lose a week one showdown at CU, especially if it's a close one, because there were plenty of years where, you know, they lost by a field goal or a touchdown or whatever. And then they kind of have that hangover that goes into week two, week three. You can't let that happen. You're going to Iowa week four and you're hosting San Jose State week five. I don't know if you caught that Iowa-Indiana game. Iowa beat the hell out of them. It wasn't even close. This is not the Iowa Hawkeyes of 10 years ago. They don't win 17-3, 9-6 or whatever. You know they, they can score some points. They scored 30 points a game last year. This is an offense that is explosive and a defense that is dominant. And that week four game is going to be brutal. And on top of that, it's not like you have an easy matchup sandwiched in between there. you got to go to Toledo in week three. And I've already said multiple times, I expect them to contend in the MAC. you got to get on track here. Because if you lose this Vanderbilt game, very realistically, you could start the season 0-5. And it's, it's not impossible to come back from that, obviously, mathematically. But realistically, it's almost impossible to come back from that, especially considering... You haven't even played Wyoming, Air Force, Boise State, Nevada. You haven't gone to Hawaii yet. Like, this is a deceptively brutal schedule. We talked about it all offseason. It's not an excuse. It's just the truth. You've got to win this one. You absolutely have to win this one. I hate, you know, I hate putting this type of pressure on a game. I just talked about, you know, how much I hate put uh, how much pressure there was put on the Rocky Mountain showdown and emphasis on week one and the type of hangover. Obviously, you know, you can make that same criticism here, but when you're looking at the the upcoming weeks, you just you have to find a way to get it done. You cannot let that kind of carry over. And I don't know that that's kind of where I'm at. The other thing we heard from Adazio in that audio that I played at the beginning of the podcast was just that you know this really was a good team, but also weird things can kind of happen in college football. Again, I think Adazio's biggest critics are going to be like you're just making excuses. It's hard to hear anything like that, even if there is some truth in the statement after a loss like that. And I understand where those people are coming from. Playing devil's advocate, I mean, he's right. Weird stuff does happen in the first month of college football. Illinois can beat Nebraska in week zero. Not that they're a great team, but they are a Big Ten team. And then lose to UTSA in week one. Like, weird stuff happens. Montana beat Washington. Eastern Washington beat UNLV. There were all kinds of weird outcomes this weekend. CSU, they certainly did not have the worst loss. I know it feels like it, especially just with the way that that game played out, but they were they had far from the worst loss. And I mean, honestly, Vanderbilt might have had the worst loss if we're being real. They lost to East Tennessee State or something like that in 23 to 3. I mean, that's an FCS program. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses for CSU or, or, you know, carry their water or anything like that. You lost to a team that's contending for championships at the FCS level. And although the score, you know, it didn't go out the way you wanted, you did a couple of things well. Vandy got absolutely manhandled by a team that's not even relevant in the FCS. I mean, that's brutal. Now, CSU, they're not in a position to where they can afford to overlook anyone. I think that was extremely clear Friday night, especially with the the poor play in the trenches on both sides of the football. 
but there's enough talent on this team that you got to at least feel a little bit good going into this game. I understand last week was tough. And also naturally I'm an optimist. You know, I took, I took some heat for that. I'm not going to apologize though. I mean, why consume sports if you're always going to look at everything through a negative lens? I understand when things go wrong, you got to point it out. You know, like we talked about post game, we all saw how that, how the South Dakota state game played out. So we laid it out. This is what went wrong. They struggled in the secondary. They got exposed in man coverage. Their lack of corner depth was an issue. They got beat in the trenches. Offensively, that was disappointing. Defensively, it was flat out surprising considering you know the veterans that they bring back. The quarterback play, it wasn't tremendous. It wasn't the problem. I know it's tough to, to think about it, and I'm going to talk about this here in a couple of minutes because those missed shots are what stand out in your mind. But the QB play, more or less, it was it was okay. You know, it, there were some things he did well, some things he didn't do great, but it wasn't the reason they lost the game. You know, it, it mostly came down to the fact that they could not run the ball. The offensive line was getting mauled. They couldn't stop the run themselves. Yeah. They gave up a couple of big plays through the air, but when you get gash for 7.1 yards of carry and four rushing touchdowns, you're very rarely going to win. All right. I'm going to play some more audio from Steve Adazio here talking about CSU needing to learn how to win and kind of how his program and, and Vanderbilt under Clark Lee are in somewhat of a similar position, you know, learning how to win. It's like having the right mindset and all that. Adasio's, uh, his opening introduction or whatever, that, that was kind of redundant, I suppose. His introductory statement at his press conference was like 10 minutes long. I, I played a couple minutes from you and I'm going to play a couple minutes again here. That's only going to be about half of it. So I'll, I have a whole long list of, of things that we learned from him. And I'm going to go over that after I play this other audio and uh, yeah, let's just kind of get into it and we'll keep it on rolling. And I'm excited to watch our guys play our skill players, our, our elite players, our playmakers. There was no shortage of plays. Trey caught 13 balls. Don't they had over hundred yards receiving and David grinded out with, with, with really not good enough blocking in the run game. David had some real impactful plays those are talented guys. Ajon came in and gave speed change runs for us and Marcus. You know, so I look at that and I say, our players got the balls in their hands and they made plays. So now on defense, we had zero sacks. We only had three TFLs. Our goal is to have at least six, right? We didn't really rush the quarterback. We, you know, we didn't do the things that we traditionally do. So we'll get that fixed. This Vanderbilt team, uh, you know, They've got talented guys. That's all I can tell you. They've got talented guys. And I think that uh, we saw a first game, first year program team, and I'm quite confident. I, I know that Clark Lee is going to have this team ready to roll this weekend. They're an SEC team with SEC talent. It may not be the elite of that league talent, but you know they're probably not losing a lot of recruiting wars to group of five schools, to be honest with you. So this is a good football team that's going to come in here. It's an SEC team. It's a power five team. And you know what it is? A new week. And in a new week, anything can happen. And you got to, you know, you want to win? One thing we're working on right now, we have to learn how to win. That's part of this program change right now is learning how to win. Everybody thinks like, well, you just go out and you win. No, you got to learn how to win. That team we played, they knew how to win. That's pro. Those are fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth year players, all been playing together in a very good established program. Okay. We're trying to establish ours this week. We got to learn how to win. There's something to that, not finding a way not to win, but learning how to win. And, and I'm saying Vanderbilt, they're in that same situation, trying to come in here and figure out 
find a way to learn how to win and put their stuff together. I got a lot of respect for their head coach. I got a lot of respect for their coordinators. Joey Lynch is there, who was with us last year. They've got good coaches. They've got a good program. And they have good players on that football field. Okay? And uh, they will be prepared. And I think this would be one hell of a football game. And I'm really looking forward to it. All right. That was Steve Adazio talking about his team needing to learn how to win. And, uh, you know, just kind of talking about Vanderbilt. And, you know, you can't overlook them. They still have SEC talent, all that. Um, we're going to talk about the other things that we heard from Steve Adazio in the Vanderbilt matchup as well. Before we do, though, fire up your tailgates because the NFL is back. Get in on the action before opening night kicks off with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With the NFL returning, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all customers an opportunity to participate in this year's no-brainer offer. All you have to do, head on to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and check out the spread. As long as Tampa Bay does not lose by 74 points, you're going to be good. They're giving it to you at plus 73. That's absurd, guys. Like, absolutely absurd. Just an easy chance to double your money. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, this is the type of stuff they're doing all the time. Some of us already doubled our money on that Clemson-Georgia game. They're, they're just giving you an opportunity to make it rain. They make it fun. They have odds boosts. They have same-game parlays now. They have everything that you could hope for with a sports betting app. And right now, they are giving $200 in free bets instantly. When you bet $1 or more on any football game, that's for all new users. On DraftKings Sportsbook, make sure you use that code DNVR when you sign up. And again, if you're a new customer, bet $1 on any football game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. That's going to come in $25 bets. You can kind of spread it out. Not as much pressure. I personally like that. Anyways, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Free bet promotions for new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Maximum wager limits to apply. One per customer. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I'm also stoked to talk about Burt Kreischer. AEG Presents is thrilled to announce Burt Kreischer live at Red Rocks Amphitheater Wednesday, September 8th. He's joined by Mark Normand. It's going to be awesome. I don't know about you guys, but I am a massive Burt Kreischer fan. Recently got my girlfriend into him as well. He's just a super funny dude, really genuine, down to earth. Uh, kind of a weird guy, takes his shirt off, uh, just lets his you know big beard gut hang out on stage. But he makes a lot of relatable jokes, you know, observational type humor, talks about his life. I'm a big fan. Um, I highly recommend you go check out his Netflix specials. I just watched The Machine yesterday. That was from five years ago, but I like literally everything that he does. If you download the Red Rocks app today, you can grab your tickets to see Burt Kreischer with Mark Normand on September 8th at Red Rocks Amphitheater. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that stand-up comedy in the best venue in the world. Super stoked. I'm going to be there. Really looking forward to going. I'm going to, you know, post pictures, all that. It's going to be a blast. Shout out, Burt Kreischer. Shout out, AEG. And I really appreciate them for hooking me up with some tickets. I, I feel a little big time, you know, for the first time in my career. All right, all right, all right. Like I said... Uh, Steve Adazio, he talked for a long time. I mean, we got to ask him questions for over a half an hour on Monday. I was on the call via Zoom. Kevin Lytle was there in person, as was Mike Brohard. But he just kind of answered questions from us three for about 30 minutes, which was awesome. Um, I already talked about a couple of things that, you know, he went over in the audio that we played. 
here's some of the things he talked about from the audio that I did not play. Uh, starting, you know, with the defensive line, obviously was not good. You know, he mentioned how he was just kind of baffled by it all. I mean, it's supposed to be a strength of this team. They've got Manny Jones, you know, Scott Patchen, Toby McBride. He missed the game. They are hoping to have Toby back Friday night uh, because Toby was not able to play. Scott Patchen kind of got shuffled around a little bit. They did some other shuffling as well. Patchen played some reps on the inside. He's most effective kind of in that edge role that he was able to play last year where he had, you know, five and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss, 22 total tackles in just four games. I mean, he was a beast. Hopefully getting him back on the edge allows him to make some plays. I mean, it was just a quiet night for the defensive line in general. No sacks and only three tackles for loss, which is about half as many as CSU expects to get on any given game. Six is kind of the, the minimum that they're looking for. They only got three. It was just brutal. I mean, it was really, really surprising. It's not what you expected to see all offseason. I talked about how dominant this defensive line could be. They were about as far from dominant as it gets. I mean, they got completely neutralized. Again, South Dakota State, good team, but we gotta see, we gotta see a better effort from this group moving forward. You know, it's it's gotta be more consistent. They've got to get after the quarterback. And you need you need guys like Manny Jones and Scott Patchen to make plays. You know, they are the big name players. They gotta live up to it. I'm not panicking after one game. You know, I think we've all seen them produce at a high level before. I don't think at this point there's any reason to think they couldn't do it again. But they didn't get it done against Friday night. I mean, that's really as simple as it gets. And even Patchen said it himself. I mean, they weren't making any excuses after the game. You know, he's like, I'm a team captain. So we preach gap sound defense. We've got to play gap sound defense. That starts with me. We were not good enough. And I respect that. You know, I, I credited Adazio. For, for taking the blame, taking it in on the chin. Trey McBride, Scott Patchen, they did the same thing in their post-game interviews. Like There, there were no excuses. And trust me, I, <laughs> this isn't the first time I've covered a CSU team. And you know whether you want to, or a bad CSU team, I guess I should say, you, you want to blame Adazio, you want to hate him, that's one thing. But I've been around plenty of players that make excuses after games and you know you just start to roll your eyes after a while. And that's just not... That's definitely not in Trey McBride's nature, and it doesn't really seem to be in Scott Patchen's nature either. And you got to love both of those guys. They are worth the price of admission, as is Ryan Stonehouse. Special teams play, Adazio is pretty pretty pleased with it. I would say the punt coverage and just punt effort in general was tremendous. Ryan Stonehouse, man, like that dude is such a weapon. I, I'm not sure CSU fans ever fully appreciate how good he is but he had four punts average of 55 yards long as 65 three of them were inside the 20 i mean it, it's not just the the leg strength it's the height i mean he he just kicks these booming towering punts that feel like they're in the air forever and he's really he's really just become so accurate i mean he was a little bit shaky early on in his career had some issues out kicking his coverage but the last like three years the dude has been borderline perfect if he is not an nfl punter i i don't know what you would want as an nfl team i mean i i watch a lot of nfl games ryan stonehouse is a lot better than a lot of those dudes we see on a weekly basis i'm going to be at broncos games this year i promise you stonehouse is better than the punting situation going on in denver i don't want to take shots at the guy but just just the truth i mean he is that good i hope he gets drafted I think he's going to definitely get signed. I just, I hope he gets drafted. 
because he's worth it. He's that much of a weapon. Again, not perfect on special teams. So you had that weird play at the end of the first half where the field goal unit runs out. There's nine seconds left on the clock. And again, I said this on Saturday. I don't have a problem with kicking a field goal there. Your offensive line has not been tremendous. There's only nine seconds left. You have a chance to put points on the board and salvage it a little bit after what was a really rough, you know, final couple minutes in that at the end of the first half. But you've got to execute. They go out there. They look like they're running a fire drill. It looks like they thought the clock was running or something. They completely rush it. Caden Camper ends up knuckling the ball, and, and it's not even close. That's just brutal. It's it's Those are you know big momentum swings. There were a couple of them going for it on fourth down early in that second half, despite being in their own territory and then immediately giving up a score like that, like with the final five minutes of the second quarter and the first five or six minutes of the third quarter. I mean, that was the game because early in the second quarter, you had that 17 play drive and you score, you cap it off. You're feeling a little better about yourself. But South Dakota State, man, they just they just kept going. You know, they they were relentless. They they looked like the tougher team, man. They they really did. Just kind of keeping things moving here, looking at my list. Um, let's talk about the passing offense, I guess. You know, Adazio, he was really pleased with Todd Santeo. And I know that's it's going to piss off the the anti-Santeo crowd beyond no belief because they are going to look at those two missed touchdown opportunities. And they are going to say, see, he is not good enough. He can't get it done. To that, I will say, you have to hit those. You have to make those plays. When your entire offense is predicated on running the football successfully and then opening it up by taking shots over the top, if you don't hit those shots over the top, they're just going to keep stacking the box on you. And Todd missed two of them that should have gone for scores. Dante was wide open on both of them. But he kind of settled in nicely down the stretch. Again, not perfect. Missed a couple of reads, missed a couple of throws. There were some drops, I felt like. But I mean, in the end, you know, he finished He finished with 316 passing yards, one touchdown, QBR of 139.2, completed, you know, over 60% of his passes. Those are all good. Those are all good numbers. And I know the numbers can be a little bit misleading, but my point was he moved the sticks. You know, CSU was good on third down. It wasn't like they they were awful on third down or anything like that. They just, they couldn't run the football. They couldn't run the football to save their life. I mean, they finished the game at a 3.1 yards per carry clip, but that got kind of jacked up at the end because Marcus McElroy came in and took two garbage time carries for 35 yards to kind of help juice up those numbers a little bit. Otherwise, it would have been well below three yards a carry. It just... All night long, that offensive line was getting blown back. And I think I've already said this like three times, but I just, I want to keep coming back to it. Cause if it, it's, if they can't run the football and they can't stop the run on defense, they're going to be a terrible football team. It's, it's really a simple equation, but if you're looking for silver linings, the, the third down execution was good. Red zone execution was good. They did lose the turnover margin zero to one, but it wasn't awful. I mean, you, you got to value your possessions, especially when you're not a team that's going to, you know, when you're Nevada, you can afford an interception or two here or there because, you know, Carson Strong's good to come back for 350 passing yards and multiple touchdowns. He was awesome in that Cal upset, by the way. Still all in on Carson Strong. Don't, you know, get on the train 
when it's too late. <laughs> Anyways, you know what I'm saying. Um, there were some silver linings in this, and that's what Adazio wants people to take away. He also just kind of wanted to put the fact that you shouldn't put too much stock into week one. Weird stuff happens. I get all that. Um, yeah, that's that's most of what we heard from Adazio. He said moving forward, he would like to see it more a 60-40 run pass ratio. This past game was actually this past game, it was actually 60-40 pass run ratio, which Adazio actually said was probably the first time in his career that was the case. But they kind of had to because South Dakota State just kept stacking the box on him. I asked him what we should expect to see from Vanderbilt. Obviously, that's kind of tough because they only have one game of film. Clark Lee, first game as head coach after coming over as the... He used to be the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I'm getting all kinds of tongue-tied today. I'm sorry, guys. But, you know, you can kind of look at the Notre Dame film and, and get some takeaways there. Does expect them to run a lot more variety when it comes to the defensive schemes they throw at CSU. So expect them to be more of a multiple look. You know, South Dakota State, they were stacking the box. They were daring CSU to throw over the top. Todd was able to connect with Dante a couple of times. Did make a couple of nice touch throws. Was able to connect with Trey McBride on a bunch of play action opportunities as well. Speaking of Trey, we are going to have him on the Rams pod. He's obviously team DNVR. We're going to go over his big performance and just kind of what we can expect to see from Vanderbilt. So make sure you are keeping an eye out on that. I'm very appreciative of him. He is just a down-to-earth dude. Getting back on track, the last you know major thing that I kind of had in my notes from Adazio's presser, CSU should expect to have Logan Stewart back Friday night. He did get some reps a little bit late, but they kind of held him back. They're trying to ease him into things. He was medically cleared last week, but they just felt it was in his best interest to kind of go slow. You know, that makes a lot of sense, but I think he's probably CSU's best playmaker in terms of creating turnovers in the secondary. I think Henry Blackburn is going to be very solid, especially in that strong safety type role. But this past week, they were kind of playing with two box type safeties in Henry Blackburn and Taiwan Francis. Whereas Logan Stewart gives you more of that free safety opportunity. He can roam the secondary. He's faster. He, he's better at, you know, pa- defending the pass in general. I mean, he has a couple of interceptions, a couple of pass deflections, in significantly less games played than Taiwan does. He's just better at making plays in the air than than Taiwan. That's not a dig on him. Everybody has different skill sets, but it, it was just kind of a tough position for CSU. They were thin at corner, and they essentially were playing two strong safeties. You would have thought that they would have been better against the run given that, but I, I think it does make a little bit sense why there were some issues over the top, some miscommunication there. I think having the experience of Stewart in the secondary hopefully, you know, knock on wood at least, should help shore some things up a little bit in the back end. All right, that's all I have for today. My my final thought, what I'm going to leave you guys with is just enjoy the little moments. You know, that's what sports are all about, especially college sports. It's tradition. It's being back on campus. Ag weekend is always one of my favorite weekends of the year. This year, we've got new uniforms. That's awesome. I mean, the crowd was so electric on Friday night. I mean, I got goosebumps. I I literally was getting emotional standing on the sidelines, hearing people chant CSU and just feeling the buzz of the stadium. I mean, it's been so long since we've had that. And it sucks that the performance and the result were what it was because you know that's going to kill the enthusiasm of some of these folks. But to the diehards, I mean, try and stay positive when you can. I mean, when things are awful, you've got to, you know, say, you got to be honest and say what it is. But 
We're only one week in. It doesn't necessarily define a season. You have a chance to pick up a win against an SEC team in Fort Collins. I understand it's Vanderbilt. How many Mountain West teams can say, you know, let's say you win it. That's your second win over an SEC team at home in the last couple of years. That's not nothing. You have the best tight end in the country. You have the best punter in the country. You've got guys that are awesome in your community like McElroy and Vivens. You've got Patchen, Toby McBride, a leader of the program. That dude's been through war. There are a lot of reasons to still support this team and still come out and be proud to be and, and all of that. Again, you know, I'm not trying to be one of those guys that's just like winning doesn't matter. Winning absolutely matters. It fucking sucks when you're losing. Nothing is worse. Nothing is worse. But if, if you can't focus on any of the good, why even be a sports fan? How often does your team win the championship? I don't know about you guys, but not very much. Been a Nuggets fan my whole life. Guess what? No championships. Been a Rockies fan my whole life. I don't even want to get into that. The Broncos, one Super Bowl victory in my adult life. Technically, they won you know, the first two when I was a baby, but or a little kid, not a baby, but I wasn't old enough to really appreciate them. It's a lot of losing in sports. It really is. It's been especially a lot of losing in Fort Collins these last couple of years, and I know everybody's bruised, they're battered, their ego is hurt, they're sick of it. And I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't be sick of it, but I'm also just telling you that there are reasons to still be proud and there are reasons to still come support your team. And we've got 11 weeks left. I mean, what are you going to do, chores? You go to a bunch of fall weddings? Screw that. It's college football season, guys. This is what it's all about. We couldn't even go to games last year, not in person. You know, just keep the perspective. That's all I'm trying to remind everyone. It's, it's easy to immediately go right back into that furious mode, especially when you lose to an FCS team at home. But appreciate the little things every now and then. At least I'm trying to. And if you hate that, I look for optimism. I'm sorry, but I, I don't know about you, but I don't think this podcast would be very enjoyable if all I did was talk about how everything sucks. So that's where I'm at. You know, that, that's how I'm going to cover the team. It's how I'm going to continue to cover the team, even if they go 0-12, which I don't think will happen. But I just want to make that clear. I'd, I'll be honest after games. I'm going to break them down when things aren't good enough. I'm going to point out that they're not good enough, but I'm not going to rail on people for days on end. Because what's the point of it? I love college football. I love talking about college football. And I'm very fortunate to have the position I'm in. And I'm not, you know, going to just look for the bad in every single situation. It's just not going to happen. So that's, that's just what I wanted to leave you with. Hope everybody is looking forward to that interview we've got coming up with Trey McBride. Make sure if you're a fantasy football player, I am one host of the fantasy football pod now. I am going on DNVR bets. Actually went four for four on Friday. Not trying to flex, just a fact. I'm one of the hosts of the draft pod. We've got all kinds of content for you over at DNVR. I'm Justin Michael. This is the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Game week, week two. Time to move on. Skinny looking
Asian kid with the cuff khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly.